NHL teammates for 13 seasons. Now back together as on-air teammates. You are listening to the Cass and Juice podcast. Hockey, life, and other stuff. Here are your hosts, Ryan Kessler and Kevin Bieksa. Hey, hey, we're back. Episode 8, Cass and Juice podcast. Your host, Kevin Bieksa, is me, my co-host. You know him, Ryan Kessler. Best looking guy in the long-term IR right now. Hey, Cass. Hey, buddy. How are you? Good, good. Good week here in, in California, weather-wise. How's it in Michigan right now? It's uh, 20 degrees and sunny. It's, uh, you know, it's it's that type of year, but um, at least it's sunny. Can't complain. I felt like we already talked about this, but have you seen the weather in Newfoundland lately? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't follow the weather in Newfoundland. If, uh, <clears throat> we don't really get that news coverage in Michigan. Well, I'll have a look. All the cars are covered in snow right now, like oh, right definitely. to the right to the top. Do you ever get that there or no? Uh, no, I don't think we get that much snow, but, um, you know, I'll, that'll be my first thing I'll do. I'll jump right on that and look at the pictures. <laughs> <laughs> <You're an idiot. laughs> Let's talk this week about the flashy goals that we've seen this year. We've seen three of them. And uh, Forsberg did one. It's, it's a slight variation the way he scooped it. And then how do you get, how do you say the guy's name? You're really good at pronouncing it. <laughs> Shemeskita. <laughs> You're like, like a little uh, American Don Cherry right now. Shemeskita. There we go. That, Shemeskita, I think. Shemeskita. Yeah, there we go. That's close enough. Shemeskita scored two goals this year, and it's referred to as the Michigan goal, which you hate the name of, right? Yeah, well, the NHL uh, says it's the – how do you say that word again? Shemeskita. Yeah, they call it, call it his goal. So um, I think it should be called the Mike Legg goal. He did it 24 years ago, I think. And, I mean, he did it in a pretty, pretty big game, NCAAs, and, and it was a big goal. And, and he's not getting any credit for it, which he should. Also double with All-Star break, which uh, we're coming up on. And first of all, just kind of the rest that that's needed. The whole concept, it, it kind of happened in the middle of our careers and we took advantage of it with some rest and vacation. So talk briefly about that. See if you can remember any good places that you visited during like the five, six year uh, day break. Yeah, let me see if I want the Newfoundland or not. I'll, uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll look into that. <laughs> well, you're, you're just a comedian today. I like it. <laughs> you know what You know what I like more than comedian cast? Grumpy cast. Mm. And we haven't had Grumpy Cast too too many episodes yet. It's tough to be grumpy when you live on Paradise Island. Yeah, okay. <laughs> let's also talk about, even though you're a hockey nerd, let's talk about football and just briefly the playoffs. Uh, Super Bowl's been set now with probably the two most deserving teams. And we'll talk and see how many games you've watched and how many games I've watched and kind of our our perspective of that sport. It's, it's a different sport than hockey. and. Mm-hmm. Right, it's that you know, guys are competing at the highest level. It's super physical. There's great coaching, so uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. Detroit Lions didn't quite make it that far this year. So, <laughs> I went then, to a couple Lions game this year. It was uh, first first ever NFL game was this year. Or no, I, that's false. We went to the Bills game uh, as a team and a Seahawks Seahawks game, but it was my first Lions game this year. Had a good time. They lost. They actually played the Chiefs, so. 
you know, I uh, parallel a little bit about that. A little parallel right there, right? Like, where yeah. it's not like The Bachelor, so we won't talk about it for too long. But uh, still, still pretty interesting <laughs> sport, nonetheless. Yeah, it's a great sport. I uh, I enjoy watching it. Obviously, having people over on on Sundays and and uh, you know the whole uh, Super Bowl parties or, or Sunday football parties is uh, always a good time. Coming up this week, you guys are going to have the pleasure of listening to this guy tell stories for thirty minutes and without Kess and I getting a word in. He is a twenty goal scorer in the NHL in his <laughs> in his career. <laughs> and, and if you think I'm joking, look up his stats. Literally, he had 20 on the dot. So, but he didn't make his living, and he'll tell you he didn't make his living scoring goals, did he, Kess? No, he didn't. He he made his uh, he made his living with his hands and and punching people in the face, but uh, and protecting his teammates. <laughs> and to be honest, being the life of the locker room, he's a funny guy, and I can't wait to talk to him. Yeah, one of, one of the toughest pound for pound guys that I ever saw play the game, and and one of the best teammates too, as far as keeping it light and and entertaining and you guys are gonna firsthand witness this guy and, and you know the interview could have went on for three hours and he probably wouldn't have ran out of material so we're lucky to have darcy hordachuk join us next so kes you were right 24 years ago mike leg did score the first uh quote-unquote lacrosse style goal and he was playing for the university of michigan so that's why it's referred to as the michigan goal which you already stated that you hated and he was playing, it was a pretty important game in the NCAA tournament against the University of Minnesota. And it was kind of the first thing, the first documented goal we saw scored where he had the puck behind the net, he scooped it up, and he kind of slid it in the top corner. And then this year, I can't believe it's taken this long, but in the NHL we had our first replica goal, and it was your buddy Shvechnikov, uh, <laughs> who did it twice, right? I'm not going to yeah. let you say his name anymore. because No, you're, thank you're you. Right? Yeah, and then obviously. We saw no disrespect. <laughs> yeah, none at all. We love Russians on this show. And uh, a <laughs> little side joke there. And, and Forsberg did uh, not, not the exact same goal, but very similar, you know, just a little bit different pickup, but slid it in the top corner. So go back to Mike Legg's goal, right? Like that's, mm-hmm. you know, Michigan hockey. It's, you're saying that Mike Legg should probably get credit for the goal and they should coin it the Mike Legg goal as opposed to the Michigan goal, even though it's a team sport and it's great to see the team get the credit for the individual play. It is a team sport, but that's like doing the uh, lacrosse-style goal in playoffs, not regular season. It was the NCAA tournament. It was a big game, and I want to think – I want to say it was a winning goal, and <clears throat> I'm just going to wind it back a little bit. It – that was probably the first time you ever said I was right in a conversation. So I'm very no, happy. Oh, no, 100%. 100%. I feel like I just... You always challenge me with this shit. Always. Time. You challenge I, me every time. I challenge you in a big brother way. And then when you do really good things and you make great statements that are accurate, I fluff you. <laughs> first time you fluffed me. I, I really enjoyed it, by the way. So thank you for that. Okay. I'll yep. make more more of a point of doing it often. But my, your, your point your point was that the my goal. point my point point was uh, <clears throat> Legger did it in playoffs basically NCAA tournament at the University of Michigan. Should I? I'm fine with it being called the Michigan, but at the same time, I think it should be called the Mike Leg goal. I don't think it should be called the I'll cue you on this one. The Carolina players goal. <laughs> Who calls it that, though? People are honestly saying it's the Schneshtikov. Yeah, people are honestly saying that it's, it's his goal. 
Well, which I was saying that the most, the goal, the, the, the one lacrosse style goal that I'm, I'm very impressed with is Forsberg's. That's, that was a different style. He, he picked it up on his toe without even like scooping it. And, but in stride, right? He did in stride, it in yeah. stride off, off the offensive zone face up. That was impressive. You're right. That, 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 that impressed me, but the most impressive thing I've ever seen in hockey wasn't actually at a hockey game. It was uh, Marty Turco, Brendan Morrison, and Mike Legg were at a University of Michigan game. And if you haven't seen this, YouTube this. It was intermission. They were at the far blue line area. They were playing Scoro. And Turco gets up, shoots it, goes in that little like two-inch hole that they have at the, at the far end. Mo comes up. Same thing, like in between periods, fans are going nuts. If you ever, but like sauces it, it in the air though, didn't he? Like yeah, it was like a high sauce. Star, high sauce. Mo Mo wanted the one up Turco, so he high sauced it. Went in again. Fans are going nuts. If you've never seen a game at Yost, it gets it gets loud. And then Mike Leg gets up, picks it up, scoops it up in midair, and throws it like lacrosse style. Bounces and goes in the squirrel hole, the two inch hole. That was the most impressive thing I've ever seen. I've seen you do that pregame in oh, Anaheim. Yeah. Tell and that I was story. In, I was impressed. So Juice and I always uh, we always tape our sticks on the bench before the game. It's kind of just a routine we do. And and this one time they had a score out there and they had a bunch of players out there or a bunch of uh, suits, you know, contestants that were. Uh, I don't know what you, what you call them suits. Sure, they were they were corporate guys. They're all walked out. Oh, in were they? Suits, right? Yeah. So, suits so, on, so of right. course, in, in pure juice fashion, he chirps them all, and is like, "This is terrible. <laughs> this is nice like, try. I bud. can do better." <laughs> nice so try, he bud. goes out there and he backed up his word and and he sauced it into that like two inch hole, and I was my jaw dropped. I was like, "Wow!" And I was thinking about doing it, but I just let him have his, you know day in the sun and and we moved on but that was the most impressive thing i've seen from you on the spot after chirping people because it's not as easy as it looks because the puck always veers to one side oh it's hard when you saw something the length of the ice the spin affects which way it's like curling right like you spin it and it pushes one way or the other so like I remember chirping the people and then I remember the guy who was organizing the events like, well, why don't you come out and show them how it's done? And then in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> like, like this is almost an impossible shot. And then when I walked on the ice, I knew you were kind of watching me. And when I put it in the net, I was so surprised that I did it. But like in stride, I just turned around and just walked off the ice and walked yeah. right by you. And we didn't even say it. We didn't even get it. <laughs> But inside, I'm like, yes, I'm so happy Kat saw that. I gave you one of the, okay, looks. Okay. Okay, I see you. <laughs> so that goal, just for, for the fans to understand, because they do that competition at the Alls. Well, they did at least last year in the skills competition. We have to scoop the puck up and put it through the obstacles, mm-hmm. right? Like the Mike Legg yeah. style thing. To do that thing, because you talked about how impressive Forsberg's goal was, but to do that thing when the puck is wet and cold and frozen and then your stick tape is a little bit wet is mm-hmm. almost impossible. So if you do it, and for that event, if you see them, they'll replace the puck before with a, a hot, warm puck that's dry. So it's way easier to scoop up, yeah. right, with, with a dry mm-hmm. stick and a dry puck. But Forsberg did it like in mid-game off of the face-off, which made his so impressive to me. 
Yeah, I mean, that's exactly why it was impressive to me. I when I watched it in replay, I was like, "There's, there's no way. How do he do that?" And, and I had to watch it like four times before I actually saw how he actually scooped it up. I thought he like picked it up on his backhand at first. It was, yeah, it was. Uh, I was impressed. So when Leg did his goal, he said he had he got death threats. He got you know, uh, you know, people threatening him and saying, you know, you're, you're showing up the other team. Cause remember when we came in the league, that was considered showboating and you didn't mm -hmm. do that kind of stuff. Right. So for him to do something like that back then was unprecedented, but now I don't think it's, it's looked upon as showboating. I think for the most part, the rest of the, you know, the other teams are saying, well, that's, that's impressive. And kids actually practice. Like how many times have you gone onto the ice and the pucks are all just laying there and you've gone and picked the puck up and, and practice yeah. that like my kids at my academy and on my junior ducks team and i'm sure your little caesars team they practice this stuff every day yeah, right crazy. just like the uh pedersen you know the pedersen thing on social media where he picks the puck up and then he throws it up in the air and he throws a stick at the same time and the stick somersaults then he catches his stick then he catches the puck in the air right That's after cool. mm -hmm. like kids we did that yesterday I did the first time I've ever done it. I completed it. But then another 12-year-old kid did it right after me. <laughs> Major so, really oh, good. Oh, shit, right? Like, I thought it was so cool. I'm like, did you guys, and guys were like, I saw that coach. That was amazing. And then another kid's like, yeah, like, I just I just did that. Like, I can show you. I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> cool, bud. You're, you're the best. <laughs> but how would you feel if you were on the ice and someone did it to you when you're standing in front of the net? Would you not, like, overhand, two-hand chop his arm? Because that's what's I'm, going through my mind. Yeah, I would a little bit, but I don't think I'd have any hard feelings afterwards. I'd, no. I, I would think he, he got us. And if you see, goalies are already defending it. There's been a couple guys that have tried it. And what the goalie does is as soon as he sees him try to go down and pick the puck up, he almost sits up and like protects that top corner of his shoulder. Mm -hmm. I've seen a couple goalies stuff. Or I saw there was a D-man who slashed the guy's stick as he was trying to scoop it around. Right? Yeah, it was uh... – that Carolina player that did it two times. Sveshnikov. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he tried to do it against Winnipeg and uh, D-man slashed his stick. You know what I'd and like then... to see? <laughs> I'd like to see when a guy goes down to do it, the defenseman jumps over top of the net and just sucker punches the guy. <laughs> <laughs> like just swings with his glove on and just like cold cocks him and then takes his fine or suspension afterwards and says, puts an end to this goal. Yeah put an end to that i agree with that i i'd want to do the same fucking thing shit that's my one f-bomb for the show yeah we're oh, we, we've been told we, we got a <laughs> we got a quota now <laughs> we're gonna swear one time each max per show just because we have a lot of kids that like to listen to our nonsense and you know we, we're trying to set a good example as we always have right guess yeah sometimes it just falls out of the mouth it's like uh <clears throat> It's like a noun that I use. It's uh, yeah. yeah. Well, you, I, swearing is actually a for, swearing is a form of intelligence. They say right, like in most cases, there's, there's a few exceptions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, continue. Obviously, I'm one of the exceptions. I, I see it. No, no, yeah. no. You didn't say that. I'm oh, I'm, fl I'm fluffing you. you telling you, you're intelligent yeah. now. Thank you. You allude to the fact, but thank you. Let's move on to the All Star break. All right. Let's go. So I don't know when it started. I think it was the last CBA, probably 2012, 2013, when they started giving a, a break just before. Do you remember, actually, do you remember it more vividly than I do? 
Yeah, I remember the first year the NHL did it. They completely messed it up. Um, they had teams all over. I think it was three weeks where they had teams on bye weeks and it was all over the place. Now they do half the league before the All-Star game, half, half the league after, and you play your first game back or your first couple games back, you play the team that was on the same bye week as you. Well, back in the first year, I remember coming back and, and just getting pumped or, or pumping a team that just got off bye week and we were playing for a week. So, I mean, you go on this break and you rest and you recover. You work out kind of, but you're not skating. You come back, you have maybe one day of practice, one pregame skate, and then you play. You don't feel good. And if you play a, play a team that's been playing for a week, it's a huge advantage to the point where first period, you'll be lucky if you're not down 5 nothing. So, you know, I think the league did something right with, you know, changing it up and having the week before and week after and having teams play each other on the same bye week. But saying that with the bye week, it condenses the schedule so much that, you know, with the back-to-backs and the three and four days with travel, it, it makes it hard throughout the year. But yeah, yeah, they the had a, they have to condense usually the second half of the schedule, right? Where you would have sometimes there would be segments where you'd have one game in three or four days at home. Well, you don't really get that right with the bye week. Now it's, it seems you're playing every other day, a lot of back-to-backs, or at, at the very best, you know, once in every three games, which at, at times isn't enough rest. But going back to like the the way they had it with teams that were on by playing against teams that were already midseason form, hockey is one of those few sports where it's a little bit different than football. We'll talk about football in a bit, but in hockey, especially when you play back to backs, when you start the game, the second game, usually the team that played the night before has the better first period because hockey it's more important I think to be sharp than it is to be rested, right? Initially. Mm-hmm. And then they usually say, if you're playing a team that played a back-to-back the night before, you're like, okay, they're going to have a good start because they're, they're sharp, they just played, but we should be able to wear them down as the game goes on. Right? That's the way we usually yeah. saw it. So, I think it's, it's kind of the same way with football, though. My buddy, uh, TJ Lang, who's retired, he played eight years as the center for Green Bay and then another two for the Lions. Uh you know, I became friend with, friends with him a couple of years ago and just picking his brain on, on, you know, when, a, when an NFL team has a bye week, he says they come back after the bye week sleepy and their first quarters usually they try to keep it within two touchdowns because they know the other teams already, you know, they're in the fight still, right? Where you have that week off, you kind of rest, you, you know, I heard some guys go on vacations and, and then they come back and you train for a week, then you're in and have to be in game mode again. So it's tough in both sports. What are some of the trips that you've gone on in the past over break? Cause I, I think it's needed though, at that point of the season, these are kind of where you get into the dog days of the season where it's so, it's such a long grueling year. And there's so many games that you're playing injured and you get to this break, you look forward to it, whether you have kids or you don't, whether you have your wife or a girlfriend or whatever, you usually have something planned, right? And you need, you need a good five days off. If you live in, in cold climates in Canada, in the East Coast, you go somewhere usually warm and sit on a beach. If you live down here in Cali, then man, maybe you go to Mexico, but also you'll maybe go to a snow destination. Or what are some of the places you went? Do you remember? Uh, went to 
Maui a couple times, once in Vancouver, once in, in with Anaheim. Uh, went to uh, Whistler. Went to, I went to Whistler once. Went to Michigan once. Um, Palm Springs. I went once. All, all those. It's just. It's just honestly to to one. Usually I go. I have family come in and we all go together or it's just Andrew and I, it's, it's obviously it's, it's, uh, it's a time to rest and recoup. And, and, you know, I think it's, it's needed. It's a long season and, and there it's different. Yeah. I always say it's needed because everybody's sore from working out, right? Like in the summer and then you play your first game and your workout so well, or your game sore and you can't move. You feel like you've been hit by a truck. So like, you played 40 something, 50 games, getting hit by a truck for 50 times in a row. And, and then you get those five day breaks and it just allows you to recoup and, you know, get ready for that push the second half of the year. It's funny now that I'm uh, not playing anymore and, and you'll, you'll kind of get there. You kind of forget about like what's going on in, in the regular season. And then like the other day, but although I do in the back of my mind, know all-star games coming up and all-star weekend. Um, you know, you kind of forget where guys are with their seasons and I'm looking at Instagram and it's just like all these, all my friends are in Maui or they're in Cabo <laughs> and like, Oh crap, it must be the break. Right. And you're looking at like, you know, Edler in Mexico and you're looking at like Gabranson where he's at and you're looking at like Lindholm and all these guys in their different areas. And, you know, Raquel's camping in the middle of the woods with his dogs and his wife. Like it's, it's cool to see everyone and what, what they do and what they need. There's some guys that are going to the snow, right? Like Whistler, mm-hmm. uh, Park City, like some of those kind of venues. Everyone kind of looks for something different, whatever they need, you know, for that break, which is which is cool to, to, to see, right? Yeah, Jesus. exactly. There's usually like five to ten spots where guys go, and that's where everybody goes. You see a lot of guys from other teams. And well, when I went to Maui, I saw a bunch of guys from other teams there, and, and it's four uh, seasons, right? Four yeah. seasons, Wailea. Exactly. So it's good to uh, you know see other guys that enjoy themselves too. You know, let's let's push this into the football thing because I kind of listened to what you said there with your boy TJ Lang, and I I a little bit disagree with you, and I'll give you my reason why. I think in football, I think rest is is so critical to to their season because especially for like, if you're talking about the offensive and the defensive line, right? Like they're not a very um, skilled position in the sense of, um, you know, you're not, you're not looking to do different things. It's more about who's stronger, right? Every snap, who's stronger, the O-line mm-hmm. or the D-line. And yeah. if you look at the two teams that are going to the Super Bowl, which is going to be a great matchup, San Francisco and, and the Chiefs, Kansas City, they both had bye weeks, right? So mm-hmm. they didn't have to play that extra game. And they basically cruised through both of their games to get there. And I think like a team like Seattle ran out of steam. I think the Titans who, who are primarily a running team right behind Henry, they just ran over uh, everybody on the way. And then they get to, you know, the chiefs and who knows, maybe they run over them again if they're, if they're fresh, but they're tired. So I, I think in football, that's the one exception to the sport where that extra week, I think is huge, huge to have guys just, fresh you know work out at their own pace heal some injuries and then you know it's up to your coach to keep you sharp on the offensive side don't agree uh, with me if you don't agree with me i I, 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 I don't agree with you because do you 
Kansas City's first game back in playoffs on bye week. They were down 24 nothing. Do you remember that? I sure do. Unbelievable game. I guess the they, they came back after they found their legs. You get a bye week. It even happens in playoffs. So with Kansas know, City. That's a good point. That's a very good point, actually. That's fine. And just like we talked about, the team that played the week before has the advantage early on. Yeah, they they played a playoff game. Yeah, they might be a little tired, which they probably ran out of steam later in the game. And and Kansas City found their legs and and you know came up with the game plan. And I, I forget the score. It was it was an unbelievable game though, and an unbelievable comeback. And fifty one thirty one. Yeah. So he's uh, <clears throat> he's something special, Mahomes. And uh, you know it's going to be an unreal. It's it's an electric offense against a smash mouth running defense or running offense on the other side. So, um, but they also have Jimmy G, who you know some people call him the next Tom Brady, which you know I can see the comparisons. Well, yeah, they played together for six years. Hey, the 49ers, best. <laughs> <laughs> 49ers best defensive line you've ever seen before and, they, and their GM John Lynch was uh, he was actually one of my favorite safeties when he played for Denver for all those years he's there's stories about him and my son tells me this right like he reads about all this stuff he's been constructing their defense for three four years now to get to the point where they have a dominant front four the linebackers they have the corners that they have in the safety is like they've built this whole team around their defense and it started years and years and years ago. But when you watch this team play their front four, and I know we're getting pretty technical here for people that don't like football. They're like, what the hell is this guy talking about? Like, front four? <laughs> you know, like, but their front four, they get to the quarterback every play and it's fun to watch. Right. If you know football, yeah. I mm-hmm. love watching them. So like, what a, what a matchup here to have the best quarterback, arguably athlete in the game against this front four and this defense, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a good game. Um, who do you think is going to win? I, I would like, I'll tell you what, I'd like to see the chiefs win. I just think they're too, too dynamic explosive. I think it's the start of what could be maybe a, a dynasty with it's a little passing of the guard from Brady to Mahomes. I'd really like to see that, but you know what else it just reminded me of? Have you seen, you don't. You're only. You're on Twitter a little bit more. But have you seen Richard Sherman's corner for the 49ers? <laughs> for those, pretty smart guy, Stanford yeah. rat. Uh huh. Have you seen his exchange with that Daryl Revis after that game? Who Revis was another. I think he's a borderline Hall of Famer, retired cornerback. Did you read some of their exchanges? Because that's something that you don't have in hockey. You don't have guys chirp besides you and Johansson. You don't have guys <laughs> chirping each other in the media. And these guys are going back and forth on Twitter, and it's for me, it's so entertaining. Yeah, I loved it. Obviously, uh, <laughs> with Rivas, he 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 used to be one of the best corners in the game, and and for him to <laughs> him to say what he said, you know, remind me. But I think it was something about you're afraid to get beat, and you don't want to cover anybody. Then Sherman it's, clapped it's, back it's and said, "Enjoy walking." He's like, you're a zone corner. You don't follow. You should be following around the top receiver and man to man, but you're just a zone corner hiding. And then he shows a clip of Revis just getting dusted by some guy. Like, <laughs> like, and he goes, how, how did your nine season look, bro? And they just go back and forth. It was so entertaining, I thought. Yeah, I think there should be more in sports like that. Did you uh, see the Kane, sorry, the Taves-Keith fight the other day? I, I, did, I did not see it. I saw the, the end of it. Is there actual footage of the fight, though? 
Yes, there is. There's there's footage of kind of the end when Taves and Keith were kind of like I think Taves was on top of him. Keith's helmet was off. <laughs> they don't show this. <laughs> The start of it, but like right away, I'm laughing and I'm thinking Cats versus Juice. Yeah, we've had a All couple of dust off in practice. Never was caught Cass. on cameras. Never, never caught on camera though. That was the only one caught on camera was uh, Willie and I, right? Where we was were battling he? in the corner and we, uh, you know, we were just pushing each other and they made some big deal of, of it. And then Willie and I walked like hand in hand into a hockey night in Canada game on Saturday night. Yeah. That's you right. Remember that? I do remember that. Now that you say that, that was good. Whose idea was that to walk hand in hand? Willie, it happened organically. We just uh, showed up at the same time and, and we rounded the corner, saw the camera. So Willie grabbed me and pulled me in and we walked together. Or organically, Willie, we're talking about Willie Mitchell. He went out at the one time we had a practice where it was pretty heated and intense. And I remember he went after Mason Raymond in a power play mm-hmm. penalty kill drill. And he was kind of picking on Mace. And then I remember Shane O'Brien came down and jumped in the way. And that was, I think that was on film too. And that was at UBC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That I was remember fact, do you remember that one too? That was caught on camera. Like, Oh, Canucks are heating up right now. There's fights, <laughs> fights in practice. Let's, let's blow it out of proportion. It happens way more than what people think. It's, you think it happens. Are, you think things are blown out of proportion in Vancouver in the media? No, not just Vancouver. I think all of sports everywhere. Do you want to clarify your Canadian, uh, I hate Canadian comment while we're talking about things being blown out of proportion? Explain that quickly. Yeah, okay. So we're about to play Canada. We're in the Olympics. It's the day before and some some, uh, reporters. 2010. Yeah, 2010 Olympics. And some reporter, we're in Vancouver, and some reporters asking me about, you know, the dislike between the Americans and the Canadians. And, um, you know, I just threw it out there and, and kind of put my foot in my mouth, like, I hate Canadians, or I hate Canada, something like that. But it was taken out of context because we were talking about the teams, not the country. Yeah, so, the hockey team. You hate yeah. the Canadian hockey players, which yeah. you should. yeah. And, and obviously, you know, we want to beat them. That, that's the one team that's probably one of the biggest rivals in sports is USA Canada, I think. And, and hockey is, is because we always have such a good close game, especially in women's hockey. That's basically the only oh, yeah. two good that's, teams out there. And, that's their, and they sport. That's their sport. Yeah. So <clears throat> it was supposed to say, I hate the Canadian hockey team the players on it, you know, obviously we think some of them are arrogant and they probably think we're arrogant. And, um, no, not the Americans. Americans aren't arrogant. There we go. Okay. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> no, but, I'm on your side, but, but I, I, as soon as I read but, that, I'm, I'm thinking, Oh boy. That's yeah. Quotations. And then everybody, it blows out of proportion. So like, obviously I don't hate Canada. I, I still visit, I still go back and, um, I think Vancouver's beautiful, and and for the guy to he got me, he got me for sure. Which good for him. I mean, he he got everybody to read his paper. Who was that rat? Do you remember? I I can't remember. I'll, I'll look pigeon. back and I'll find it out. Just a pigeon reporter that got got too many got me at a vulnerable time. I, I mean, I I was twenty four, and we we're just. You know, because they talk to you and they put their microphone by their side like they're just bullshitting with you, right? 
And yeah. then they're like, oh, yeah, talking about the Canadian Americans. And I'm just, oh, yeah, I, I hate the Canadians. I said it like that. And then he came out with Kessler hates Canada. So sweet. And you were, you were 24. You were dumb when you were 24. Oh, I was an idiot. I was immature. <laughs> I was, yeah. I, I mean, I wasn't, a, a male adult doesn't enter his last stage of adolescence till 27. If you did not know that, there's a, there's a tidbit for you. Oh, that's a good one. I, I don't know if it's true, but that's a good one. <laughs> is it true? Look it, look it up. It is true. So, so there's three stages. I think I was, I was just entering my, my second stage. So obviously I wasn't mature enough yet to figure out the question. I, I blame uh, Darwin or, or I blame human nature. How <laughs> <laughs> are you talking about? I have no idea. I'm just trying to talk my way out of this conversation. <laughs> I don't even know how we got onto this topic, but that's, I, I think it's it's important for people to just know because we have a lot of people that listen from Vancouver and Kess doesn't hate Canada, nor did he ever. He just got misquoted, which will happen to other players in that market as well as Toronto, as well as Montreal. It's, it goes goes with the territory, but everyone forgave you. I, I yeah, said. thank you. Talking about idiot reporters, how about the guy that thought you were me? <laughs> and you did a full <laughs> interview. That's <laughs> me. <laughs> so guy guy comes up to me in LA in the playoffs and I scored I think I scored my first uh playoff goal that game, right? So at the very least, like know know who I am. So he comes into the room and I just did a scrum in the LA dressing room. We won the game and I did this the scrum with whatever 20, 30 reporters, and then this guy kind of legs behind. Then he comes over to me after looking for that quick exclusive and he goes so, hey, Ryan, uh, talk about, you know, playing like, I don't know, like playing in the Olympics or playing with Dustin Brown or playing USA hockey or something like that. And I'm thinking in my head, this guy is a moron, right? Like, <laughs> like I, I either just, I got a few options, just walk away, you know, correct him right away or just go with it. And I decided, you know what, if you think I'm Ryan Kessler, then I'm going to be Ryan Kessler. And I did the whole interview and at first – and it's, it's still out there if you want to listen to it. It's just all tongue-in-cheek. But you were so mad at me, I remember, the next day. You're like, you're such a loot. And I'm like, it was tongue-in-cheek, but it was a joke. Uh, I don't remember me being mad. So mad at me. Uh, well, you like Grumpy Cast, so you should have enjoyed it. You, pun you, you pushed Cole over after because you were so mad at me the next day. <laughs> you're such a liar. <laughs> <laughs> Up next, Darcy Hordachuk. He's going to tell us about some of his infamous uh, tales of pranks, theft, vandalism, and all the other things he accomplished in his hockey career. You're listening to the Cass and Juice Podcast. All right, you guys, uh, a little special treat for you here today. Our next guest, I'm going to take my time with this intro because I might not get another word in for the rest of the interview. He is <laughs> from Camsack, Alberta, which is super fitting. He's a 2000 draft pick, 180th overall to the Atlanta Thrashers. If you don't remember them, they turned into Winnipeg Jets. He's listed at 6'1", 212, but he definitely played a little heavier, probably 220. Played 542 games. He had 1140 penalty minutes. He played for Atlanta, Phoenix, Florida, Nashville, Vancouver, and he ended at Edmonton. And let digest this for a second. He had 147 NHL fights. Think about this. He fought George Parrish 11 times, Jody Shelley 7 times, Stortini 5, 
Larock, Bugard, and Chris Simon three each. So it's none other. And 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 now he's more successful than when he was when he played. Just ask him. <laughs> Darcy Hordachuk. Hordy, what's up? Boys, what an honor to be on this podcast. You're the last two guys <laughs> I thought I'd be talking to on a podcast. But it's Kansas, Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan's the province next. I wish at times I was from Alberta, but uh, I'm from Saskatchewan. So. Do, you, do you think I would ever visit Kamsack anywhere, Alberta or Saskatchewan? <laughs> uh, probably not. And everybody is always, it's funny, living in Arizona, everybody's like, oh my God, you're from Canada. It's so beautiful. And I'm like, well, that's, that's probably Vancouver you're talking about or Montreal, <laughs> not uh, Saskatchewan where, where your dog runs away and you can see it for days. <laughs> so Hardy, let's uh we were talking earlier about what what put you on the map was your legendary two fights with Mel Engelstad. And if people don't remember that, they I encourage them to Google it. Talk talk us through that a little bit, how that happened and how that experience was for you. Yeah, so you know what, I I grew up in Saskatchewan working on the farm and and just like any kid, you're like, Man, this kind of sucks picking rocks for eight bucks an hour and shoveling grain. So I was like, basically my only way out of Saskatchewan was probably fighting. So I kind of, you know, started to fight at juniors. And next thing you know, I got, um, you know, drafted as a 19 year old, uh, 19 years old. I didn't even get drafted my 18 year old year. Cause my coach at the time when I played for the blades was Brad McCrimmon. And he called Atlanta and he said, just take this guy in the last round, take a chance on him. So I go to their camp, Atlanta's get cut. And next thing you know, I'm uh, playing for the Orlando solar bears and I'm just doing what I always do. Just no puck on the ice, running around with my head cut off, <laughs> not playing a system, just trying to hit everything that moves. And uh, sure enough, the whole team starts to want to fight me. And at the time, I'm used to, you know, think about this. A year earlier, I'm fighting 16 to 20-year-olds, and now I'm fighting guys that are, you know, 20 to 40 years old. So the whole team's trying to come after me. Jimmy Roy at the time for the Manitoba Moose wanted to fight me. And, and I just finally said, I'm like, listen, just send out your toughest guy. I'll fight your toughest guy. And I, I, I literally, like, remember the flashbacks. I see this guy. His nose is on the other side of his face. Him skating to me, I was like, oh, my God, this guy's got to be tough because you don't have a guy like that on the team unless, you know, he's their fighter. And we squared off. And after that fight, both of us, I mean, we hit each other. I don't even know how many times. Realized, holy crap, this is what I got to do the rest of my life. And I'm like, maybe it's easier to go back to the farm and shovel grade and pick rocks. But... Yeah, that fight definitely put me on the on the map, and uh, the coaching staff literally called me up three weeks later and said, uh, "You're going to be fighting the NHL from now on." These kind of guys, and I was like, "Oh, great! Can you pay me the minimum?" And yeah, that's what happened for the last thirteen years. <laughs> so I remember, I remember listening to you before talk about how you think you think the fighters should be paid the big bucks, right? And the goalies and like the star players should be paid the league men. Well, well, the reality is it's tough to score from the bench, right? So had I not came in the league as a fighter, I would have probably got Burroughs. I, I look at him and I, I feel like in rec hockey right now, I'm the Alex Burroughs of hockey. I play in a line with Dave Scatchard and Greg Adams. And every, every goal, guys, or every game, guys are like, dude, like, how did you not score in the NHL? And I'm like, I wasn't the Alex Burroughs where my coach was French-Canadian and I got to play, <laughs> you know, between the Sedin twins. I'm like, at the end of the day, anybody could score goals. You go in the front of the net, the puck bounces off you. How do you get ice time to score those goals? Now, if I told you guys, both of you guys, I'm like, hey, go in the parking lot. There's going to be this dude. He's going to be black. He's going to be six foot six, and he wants to kick the crap out of you. Oh, and by the way, your hand's kind of jacked up because you fought somebody the night before 
and you still got to fight him again. Oh, and your eyes kind of shut. So you got to still fight the guy again. And he knows your eyes shut. He knows that you fought. And he's trying to catch you at the end of the shift. Here's three grand for doing that, right? Like, so, like, are you kidding me? So, so, of course, I think anybody that watches the game realizes, yeah, the fighters. But, you know, what, whatever. You just you, you be grateful. I mean, I'm getting as paid much sitting behind an office now as when I play in the NHL. I'm like, this is, this is great. Like, I wasted 15 years of my life taking punches. But like this is Hordy. Like this is this is who Hordy is. I, I remember a story where Burr had two hat tricks in a row, and then all of a sudden he can't find his stick, and Hordy's out there, cut it down, and he's like, "Well, fuck Burr, you did it. Why can't I?" I'm like, "All I need is a good <laughs> stick, good curve. <laughs> Just gotta figure this thing out." <laughs> oh my god, I switched sticks. I think that one year I switched. I went through four different guys. Whoever would have a streak, I ended up using their stick. <laughs> I'll never forget. I used JP Dumont stick. The blade was like four inches. It was three inches shorter than every other stick. And I'm like, what the hell? That, that's where I hit rock bottom. Like JP would score every day with him. He would convince me to use the stick. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, but anyways, you know, it is what it is. You, you look back and now the stick that I've been playing with, I'm like, I should have been playing for the last 10 years. Rafi Torres curve, boom, top cheese every time. <laughs> Okay, well let's let's stop talking about hockey. Let's talk about the stuff that you're actually good at, like the the off ice stuff, right? So, I, I I have a list of stories right here to ask you about. Like, there's just too many with you, right? But so, and we don't we don't have like a three hour show. So let's uh let's ask you about. Um, do you want me to set it up for you, or I'll just uh, I'll ask you what you remember about the mother's trip on the plane. <laughs> You know what? Somebody told me I, I got about 50 tweets after you about borrowing money from my mom for gambling. And uh, <laughs> and I was telling everybody, like, well, how did you have to borrow? And I'm like, I just had a pocket full of change because usually you guys are always playing for nickels and dimes. I didn't realize we <laughs> were going to play the big boys games all of a sudden. <laughs> so I didn't bring the big bills that time to play poker with you guys because Louie, every time Louie plays, he's like, oh, trying to make all the rules and trying to be in charge of everything. And I'm like, Louie, listen, we all put in the same amount of money. Like you don't have, I know that you think you're the captain and I know that you think all the make, you make all the rules, but at the end of the day, like we all put the same money in, like relax. Let's go to Louie. Let's go to the Louie relationship because you guys had a, like a love hate relationship. Like you loved him and he hated you. Right. So I, <laughs> I remember probably the, the last straw was you came into the dress room the one day and you start telling everybody, guys are like, oh, don't read the mentions. Don't read the mentions. And you're like, oh, I read the mentions. I like reading them. So I think the one day Louis goes, hey, hey, Horty, what are the mentions saying today? And you're like, $62 million mistake. <laughs> Following Roberto's big contract that he signed. You remember that day? Oh, yeah. Oh, God, man. Everybody was so scared of Louie, but I, like, loved ripping on Louie because Louie was, like, one of these guys that, you know, just kind of did his own thing. Let's play poker. Let's do this. And I'm like, Louie, I'm like, we got a team dinner today, and I, we would really, you know, like you to kind of be there. And he's like, well, I'm not coming to team dinner. I'm like, honestly, Louie, nobody cares if you're there. Just give us your credit card. You're the captain. Just give us your credit card. <laughs> oh, my God. If my memory serves me correctly, didn't you try to buy his G wagon off him for like Lululemon gift cards that you got from Bauer? <laughs> <laughs> I hey, not only did I buy the G wagon, so he didn't want to sell it to me, and I said, Louis, at the end of the day, if you put it on Auto Trader, somebody's going to come to your house. They're going to find out where you live. So I talked <laughs> them into it that 
they're going to rob you. They're going to know where your wife is. And I don't know if you guys remember, but that was the big news when his place got broken into already. So Louis was already like scared and gun shy because somebody tried to break into his place when he was out of town. So I was like, Louis, you don't need somebody knowing where just sell it to me and I'll give you a good deal. You know, we'll make it a win-win. And dude, I felt like the biggest baller. I was driving that G wagon around 500. Like I own the city. I'm like, dude, everybody's like, Oh my God. And they're like, what year is it? I'm like, that's ah, about 15 years old. <laughs> Yeah, but, but the thing was, you, didn't, to- you didn't change over the registration, so you were driving it around getting parking, <laughs> yeah. and they were all going back to Lou. Yeah. They were going back to Lou. Yeah, that's a veteran. That's what you call a veteran move. And I ended up driving it for, I think, eight, eight months, and then I ended up selling it because I went to fix, you know, when you do the windows, it was like a thousand bucks. Anything you were to fix on that thing, it was a thousand bucks. And I was like, okay, there goes my day's wage. So I'm like, I, I'm going to go back to reality and, uh, drive my uh whatever grand prix gt at the time i was driving so you remember this is uh i got a little bit of louis in it too but you used to love giving the dressing room tours right after games and then it kind of spilled over to the one year kissing <laughs> roberto lived in the same building on the same floor and there was only three or four units on the floor you used to give tours of their apartment building as, for, as well right <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dude, I was the king. Hey, I tell everybody to this day, the only reason I made the NHL is because I used to go and tour like locker rooms. And I'm like, this is where you get inspired as a kid, right? And I couldn't say no to anybody. Like, I, I was the guy where you wanted to go after the game and meet the players. Not thinking we just lost 4-2 and Louie, you know, is pouting. I, I thought with a guaranteed contract at $62 million, you're never going to be upset or pouting. And these people would come in the room and be like, Louis, what happened on this shot or what happened on this? And finally, Gillis came to me. He's like, dude, no more locker. It's done. So I used to sneak around Gillis. He didn't even know. I would be like trying to get people through. And I'm like, just the last one. I promise. This is the last. Because for my charity golf tournament, it was automatic. It was a Sedin stick. It was a locker room tour and, you know, tickets to the Vancouver Canucks. That was my, my go-to. And, uh, yeah. So what about your – so you're talking about – Talk about the sticks. You used to ha- used to be accused of taking a lot of sticks, right, during the game. Like if you weren't playing some games, <laughs> sticks would go missing. So I remember after a while and, uh, and enough accusations, we went to the video, the security video, and we actually saw you going into the kids during the game and just like like a little kid on Christmas, like taking as many sticks as you can carry and, and bringing them down to the parking lot. While we're so true. Hey, hey, we'll relax. First of all. It wasn't the cage because it was locked. It was in the locker room. There's some extra sitting sticks. And I tried to take both years the year before, and they went for $40 in my charity event. So I was like, I got to get a bigger <laughs> name to sell at the golf tournament. So the Sedins were the ones in demand. And everybody was doing it, but somehow I was the bad guy for chasing the two. And yeah, maybe I, I took more than two. Maybe there was like five or six or seven. Or a but dozen. I sure wish I took more now. Those <laughs> Yeah, those would have came in handy. I'd be stockpiled right now for sticks. Instead, I'm paying 170 bucks a stick. So, uh, how about this? I just did my alumni charity event two days ago um, with the Coyotes, and I see this picture. Do you guys remember this? Where I have Braden on my my chest, and how much of a ribbing you guys used to give me that? Where Braden, remember that naked picture of me? <laughs> yes. That? Yes. Huh? Yeah. Oh my god. So. I got to tell everybody this story. So 
I'm new to Vancouver, don't even know what media is, playing in hot markets like Arizona and Nashville that love hockey sometimes, didn't really know what it was. Come to Vancouver and all of a sudden the media is like, hey, you got to do this picture. It's like going to be an intimate picture with your kid on your chest and it'll be a good keepsake. You know, the twins have done it in the past and everybody that's had babies, I think they even said you did Kess and everybody's done this and, you, you know, this is kind of the thing to do. And they said, LaBarber's going to do it. Well, LaBarber was bigger than I was. So I'm like, if LaBarber's <laughs> going to do this, I'm going to do this. Next thing you know, I, I, you know, I've got, you know, my, my son's all dressed up, daddy's little boy. I've got my shirt off. And they're like, no, you know, you got to take your clothes off. And I'm like, what do you mean I got to take my clothes off? So, so I put my son basically on my chest. I'm covering his butt. And I'm now with my shirt off. And I just remember for like nine days straight, the Bacon brothers are getting shot and killed that whole month. And on the front news of the paper is the Bacon Brothers shooting. And I remember walking by the, this patio and it, I have this exact picture on the patio. And I'm like, oh my God. They told me, first of all, it was going to be a small little picture. And they said LaBarbera was going to be on it. And next thing you know, every patio had this picture. So I come in the locker room and of course, Kess and Juice, they're like, have you seen this pedophile? So <laughs> for like a month, I'm getting ripped. And now everywhere I go. We didn't even know you had a kid. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, whose kid is that? I didn't uh, know you had a son. Uh, Am- oh, God. Amber alert. <laughs> exactly. Oh, God. You know what's funny? Like, We're obviously going to post that pic on our website. But... Uh, do you remember that this could be worse than that, right? This could be the worst thing I've ever yeah. seen you do. I was coming back on all-star break, sorry, Olympic break, 2010. No, I was, it wasn't 2010. Anyways, I was coming back from a break and I was at the airport and in Vancouver, there was a really long customs line. So I'm in line. Oh my God. Oh my God. Let me tell my version. Cause my version from the line is probably more accurate than yours. So I'm in line with my family and I got a wife and two young kids and we're waiting in line and it's probably an hour long lineup coming back from Hawaii to get through customs to get in. And we're, we're kind of going through the paces. There's like a million little turns. And, uh, my wife goes, Oh look, there's Darcy and Darcy. So I see Darcy coming and he's got his wife, Lisa, who's a hundred percent capable, (laughs) good looking woman in good shape. And she's in a wheelchair. And we're like, oh, I wonder what happened to Lisa. And he's wheeling her and she's got like this sheepish look on her face. Like you made her do something and then take her from there. So you bypass the whole hour lineup and you're just trying not to laugh. Oh my God. So this is exactly, this you know, is true. Bang on point. So what, <laughs> what happened is during the Olympics, I rented out my house or King's landing that overlooked the park to Nike and, um, it was Nike and Lululemon. So I had like 10 grand. So we all decided to go to Hawaii. So me and Burr ended up staying in a place and then, you know, having a chef and Bernie and everybody we all kind of <laughs> came out there. So I blow that 10 grand in like the five days. I'm like a rock star. So then I realized, okay, we got to get back. Obviously the season starting and I go to the airport and I didn't, you know, obviously go two hours before. I think I went like right at 50 minutes and I look and there's this hour and hour and a half line. And I'm like, babe, we are going to miss the flight. So as I look at you guys, you guys are like, dude, like you're screwed. You're going to miss the fight. You're not even going to be on there. You're probably going to get shit from the coaches. So I go to the guy and I grease him. I go, here's a hundred bucks, dude. Can you please get me to the front line? He goes, not a chance. So I said, what do I got to do to get by? He's like, you see that wheelchair over there? And I am, I will not park <laughs> in a handicapped parking because 
I think it's bad karma. All this stuff is bad karma. What goes around comes around. Like I remember the one time I did, I blocked the shot, pronger shot it, broke my foot when I parked in a handicap. I'll never do it again. So I look at Lisa. I'm like, Lisa, if I miss this fight, I'll probably get put on waivers and cut. Like I'm not the guy on the team that can miss the fight. So I'm like, you got to sit in the wheelchair. And she goes, what do you mean? I'm not sitting in the wheelchair. You sit in the wheelchair. And I'm like, I can't sit in the wheelchair. Like you, so we're arguing back and forth. Thank God I was making NHL money at the time. She sits in the wheelchair. <laughs> I, I, I remember you guys looking at me as I'm pushing it past everybody in the front of the line, go through security, and then literally they push her onto the plane. She gets up and walks, and thank God that happened because we got in the plane and uh, never missed the flight. But I, I would never do that again unless I was going to make you know, miss the team, uh, the team game. Cause the team needed me so much back then. <laughs> so magic, oh, magic's God. one of your passions, right? And car tricks yeah. specifically. And, and penny, penny stocks too. Penny stocks. Love penny stocks. Yeah. Bank, Vancouver. Uh, so this one time, Horty comes into the dressing room this one day and he says, boys, get rich quick scheme. Like we're all going to be like multi, multi we're all going to be as rich as Lou. That's what he says. Right. And he goes, I got this penny stock. It's called Golden Peaks. And we're all going to get in. We're going to buy it for like two cents. And this thing is going to be at a dollar ten by like next week. So obviously all the gullible guys like Mason Raymond and Alex Burroughs, they jump all over this thing, right? And, and most of us are just like, okay, let's kind of wait and see where this thing plays out. So I remember every, every week coming in and Burr would have the update for us. Golden Peaks is at... <laughs> three cents like it didn't go up like it literally didn't go up and then i think everyone kind of got uh i think everybody got averaged in at maybe 10 cents and it actually started going down the guys started losing money on this get get rich oh. quick scheme that thing is that thing still oh, golden peaks oh no oh no no that should <laughs> be, uh, be a lot of money yeah you realize that if it trades on the otc maybe stay away from it a little bit but I've been in probably about another 30 of those since then. So it only takes one though. That's the great thing. It only takes one to hit and then, then you, you know, you're good to go, but uh, I'm still wait, I'm still waiting for that one. So we had uh, every time we go out for dinner, you love to, to engage with the waiter or waitress and you, you had this card trick that you did all the time. And after I saw it enough times, it was so predictable, right? You would say, okay, I'm like a magician, you know, I, I know. So like pick a card in your head, pick a card, any card and, like a car, <laughs> yeah. like if somebody was coming in, they were walking down that red carpet right there, you know, and, and you're trying to put these ideas in people, and you'd always guess either the queen of hearts or the ace of spades, right? Was there any, yeah. was there any oh, more yeah. to it? Was there any more to that? Or was that basically your only strategy? Everybody says the ace of spades. Everybody will always say the ace of spades. When you put pressure on them, it's always the ace of spades. So if you say, hey, think of a card, any card, say it real fast. Boom, people would say the ace of spades. But they'd sometimes fall back to like the queen of hearts or... Um, <laughs> You know, a couple other cards, but yeah, no, I, uh, I, I had fun. Obviously when you're in the minors and you're on the long bus road trips and you, the only thing you could really do is read. And I hated reading. So I'd watch videos on, on magic and, uh, yeah, it was fun. Okay. So just everyone, we can see Hordy while we're doing this interview, right? And we all got kind of the FaceTime window. So just keep in mind right now, before I, I allow him to plug his new business, he's got no drywall on the wall behind him. <laughs> and all it gets to code because there's pipes exposed. But Hordy, what are you up to? Uh, these days? 
You know what? Um, so I actually working for a, a private aviation company called Jetlinks. So that's been kind of fun, just getting a chance to fly with everybody. But um, I also have another company um, helping Canadians move to the U.S. It's called Canada to USA. And we have a discount program, um, which allows, you know, Canadians to save like 70% off of flights, hotels, uh, 30% off of Disney World tickets, uh, Vegas tickets. So it's just a fun way with the dollar being the, the way that it is. Canadians making it affordable for them to come down to the U.S. and just uh, enjoy kind of um, all the things that the U.S. has to offer. So, yeah, I think we're doing um, the the promo code. If you go to our website, CanadaTOUSA.com, if you type in the promo code for our discount program, uh, NHL 2020, because of you guys, we're going to give everybody 40% off, which is instead of $49.95, it's $29.95. And it just gives you discounts for everywhere in the country. It gives you discounts if you're in Arizona for Coyote hockey games. Um, it's just a way for, for, uh, Canadians to kind of come down and make it more affordable. And yeah, we give discounts of real estate fees. We give discounts of title insurance on currency exchange. So kind of like what I used to do for the team all the time when I'd move there, I'd be like, okay, who's this and who's the connection for this and that we, we, um, we kind of are, are creating the same model down here for uh, people moving down. So. Is this website legit or is this going to be like put in your credit card info? We're going to charge you a monthly fee that automatically renews for six, six years. Hey, I'm so skeptical. We'll give you your money back. If you don't save your twenty nine ninety five in your first couple of bookings, we'll, we'll give you your money back. But uh, so far we got uh, 20,000 people that are subscribed to it and that are happier than ever. So, I mean, these discounts are out there. It's like AARP uses uh, the platform. You know, MasterCard uses the platform. Visa uses this platform. Costco, they just don't really allow Canadians to, to use this platform because it's more a U.S. thing. But because I am who I am and I'm creating my legacy, my dash in my life, when you're born, when you die, what's your dash? I'm, you know, this is going to be my dash. Save the Canadians money so they can see the U.S. Come down to Phoenix. Why shovel snow, right? Come enjoy it and embrace it. We start out with 80 pages on Google. We have 8,000 pages. So you get to learn uh, where your connection in the U.S. Yeah, but there's somebody that's intelligent running this company, right? Like you're not at the head of this thing, right? Like it's a pyramid and you're like at the bottom of the pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, hey, like any pyramid scheme, right? If you get in early, you're safe. No, no. Listen, for 29 bucks to save on rental cars and flights, like who cares, right? Kess wouldn't even bend down to pick up 30 bucks. So give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I miss hoarding in my life. Everybody needs a little hoarding in his life, right? Like, oh, hey, you know what? Guy. I was thinking, thinking about Cass. I'll never forget this. The only guy in the NHL I didn't want to fight is Bugard. So I'm like, before everyone's like, why don't you fight Bugard? I'm like, the guy never hits anybody. The guy's useless on the ice. Why would you hit somebody? Sure enough, I see Cass in the corner, head down, not paying attention, making it <laughs> five, five mil a year, skating with his head down like Halsey. And I'm like, what the hell? Bugard lays the biggest hit I've ever seen in my life. And I'm like, oh, my God. If it wasn't Kess, if it wasn't the Twins, I wasn't fighting. It had to be those three guys that were making all the money on the team. Probably why we didn't win a championship because five guys were all making all the money on the team. Anyways, it doesn't bother me. So now i got to fight Bugard. The, guy, the guy's trying to rip my eye out of my head after he, like, fell on me and crushed my back and – so, gosh, no wonder. Thanks, the thanks for that, Hardy. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you know what was I one of your that, that hurt. You know what was oh, one of your problems, Hardy? What? I remember the one practice we had. Remember, we had like that nine-game losing streak, right? Where you you were there for that, and we had a practice. We had one of those practices where it's like 
everyone's on edge. Like coaches, like Bones is yelling the whole practice. Vino's yelling the whole practice. Yep. And they're like, okay, we're doing this drill. We're, we're going to break it out. We're going to chip it. We're going to have a four checker. And then once we do that, we're going to get in zone. We're going to do one cycle and we're going we're gonna to hit the, we're going to go D to D shot. With, <laughs> so everybody's like totally focused. Everybody's like ready to do this drill properly. So first line goes, like you said, the Sedins, Cassis line goes, third line goes. So here's Horty. Horty's already watched the drill three fucking times, right? So Horty goes, <laughs> and of course he's fucking clueless, has no idea what's going on. The puck no clue. Gets, gets the breakout part, and Horty's just like in no man's land in the middle of the ice, doesn't know what he's doing. They go to dump the puck in for the two forwards to cycle it, and the puck, you just panic, you turn around, and you just one-time the puck on net. <laughs> and Vino blows the whistle, and he couldn't even contain himself. He just starts laughing, like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Hey, and here's the crazy thing. Then he bag-skated the crap out of me. I was the only guy. Do you remember the one practice? And You had to four-check the whole time. I had to four-check the whole time because I got him a $10,000 fine like the practice before. Remember when I fought Cam Jansen's at like five minutes? And if you fought <laughs> under five minutes, the coach got a fine for ten grand. So he ripped me a new one. He's like, what the fuck are you thinking fighting Jansen's at five? I'm like, well, I actually tried to fight him at five ten. <laughs> he dropped his gloves till, you know, 4, 4.45. So here's a lane just like, oh, my God. It's bad enough I'm on the team already, and now I have to deal with Hordich to get me a $10,000 fine. But He kept telling you to hit, hit yeah. uh, Matthew Schneider. <laughs> oh, yeah. We had, a, we had a meeting in Detroit where we had a bad start to the season. And, and remember, Vino went around the dress room to every single guy and was like, Achieve, underachieving, underachieving, underachieving overachieving like one or two guys underachieving i remember and that yeah he goes to schneids and then after he's done going through schneids goes what about you elaine <laughs> <laughs> and then he sent Hordachuk after him all practice <laughs> oh oh my gosh that was the best schneids you couldn't tell him what to do schneids was the only guy in the team that was brave enough to put it like remember that three inch nail that he put through my brand new shoes that I got from Murphy, whatever it was called. And I literally Skechers. couldn't get my shoe it was Skechers. out. Huh? It was from Skechers. Yeah, no, and it was in Colorado. It was in NHL. It was either boss because I was in the NHL and thought I had all this money. Yeah, but he threw this spike right through the middle of my soul into the into the into um, my locker and I couldn't even get it out. I literally had to... <laughs> Remember, like, you blamed me get, for that for the longest time. Oh, yeah. Well... <laughs> It was always you or, or him or somebody doing something stupid. Every time I'd go for the team meal, there'd always be a table set aside for just myself. And I'm like, who the hell did this? And there's like, everybody's pointing at Cass. And I'm like, oh my God, oh, dude, here we go. It's bad enough that I've been scratched three games in a row. And now I got Cass putting my own food and table. But anyways, you get still got paid the same. That's all good. <laughs> Hordy, I think you're gonna have to be our you're gonna have to be our first repeat guest because we just have so many more stories to talk about with you. But uh, unless Cass has any more questions for him, no, no, no. You've been amazing, Hordy. You've been uh, like I always remembered you. You're you're a funny dude no. that literally I could sit and listen to you and laugh my ass off. If I'm having a bad day, I just need to hear you talk talk about the old days and, and talk about stories, and I'll just start laughing. <laughs> Uh, Hordy, Hordy, just a little bit to uh, pump your tires just a little bit on a serious note. I always say this when people ask me, who's the toughest guy you ever played with? And I honestly say, like, toughest guy I ever played with was 
Rafi Torres, but after that, it was uh, <laughs> it was Darcy Hordichuk. <laughs> and no, seriously, I say you, and the reason I say you is because, like we, like I said at the beginning of the show, you're six one, two fifteen, and you consistently fighted guys that were six five, two forty, two fifty, two sixty, and you did so because it was your job and you needed the money. But you also did so because you're you're a good teammate, <laughs> right? So let's call a spade a spade. Uh, I think it's. Toughness to me is fighting a guy who's bigger than you and a guy who you think you're probably going to lose to. Going into that fight, that's that's tough to me. And you know, there's been some of the Cassian to Chuck incidents that happened in the past there. And to me, to fight a guy who you who you think in your head, shit, I might lose to this guy. That's fucking tough. And you did that on a nightly basis for mm-hmm. me, for Cass, for the twins, hundred percent, Mace, and fuck, we love you for it, buddy. Yeah. No, it was fun. You know, like you, you look at guys that I should have been fighting like Carcillo and that, that were kind of that middle heavyweight. And then you'd fight a guy like that. And I'm like, holy crap, I just destroyed this guy. Like, this is where I should really be at. But, you know, unfortunately, they only have one tough guy, you know, towards the end. And I'm like, okay, here we go, big George. Let's do this. This will be fun. <laughs> here we go, Proby. Hey, love to fight you, Proby. Hey, what is, what is Proby on today? Hopefully he's not taking any before the game because I'm like, oh, my gosh, here it is. You had the game within the game with, with Perro, Shay. Like, I remember the one game you guys fought three times. It had nothing to do with anything. It was just you two were in your own little game. And we were just like, it was like a sideshow where we'd watch you two fight three different <laughs> times. You'd like motherfuck each other over the benches. And we we're like, I'm looking at Getsy. I'm like, what's going on between these two? Is like, I don't know. They're in their own world right now. And then there would be the hockey game and there would be like your game. Well, because there's only like six tough guys in the league at the time, and we both knew that we should have been out of the league, and we're like, we got to get our fights fights up, we got to justify it. I'll never forget this. This is what he he says to me, Peros. He signs a three year deal, and I go, and I don't have my deal done yet, right? So I go, and I'm like, Peros, we're going the shift. And this is the meantime before we fought like seven times. He goes, we're not going. I'm like, what do you mean we're not going? And I'm like, oh, you got your three year deal. We're not fighting anymore. So I go after. I don't know if you remember the shift. I go after Corey Perry. And I lay him out. I think I separated his shoulder in the corner. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, the coach hated me. Uh, your coach said you had a Winnipeg. What was Carlisle. his name? Carlisle. Carlisle. Like five seconds later, Peros comes to me and he's like, what are you doing? And we had to square off and go. I'm like, exactly what I'm doing. I'm trying to get a contract with you for three years and then take three years off like you got to do. So, <laughs> oh, gosh. Right, game buddy. within the game. I love it. You're the best at it, buddy. Well, fuck. Yeah, good luck with were. all this, uh, all your other scams, your Canada to U.S. scam and your waste, <laughs> <laughs> waste management scam, getting people to come to the waste management open. That's that's coming up soon, I think, right? Yeah, you know what? Hey, if you guys have never been, it, I, I encourage every listener to come. Yeah, I'm part of the group that helps put on the uh, waste management open. Actually, thirteen million dollars went to the kids last year. We raised in five days, and I'm I'm honored to be part of the fifty-five guys that put that tournament on. And, uh, yeah, you'll see me out there with my Canadian pants. Um, there's three of us Canadians in the group, and uh, we're going to watch a little golf, have a couple tequilas. And uh, if you see me in the course, say that you listen to this podcast, and I might even buy you a shot. <laughs> uh, boys, hey, we'll get yeah. the listeners up yeah. to 50, boys. I told you I'll get the <laughs> listeners over 50. Huh? This is great. I can't believe I'm supposed to be on Smitten Chicklets right now and I'm wasting my time on this podcast. So I'm like, whatever, these guys just play hockey together. Someday they're going to be big and famous. We'll edit that shit out right there. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> all right, you've, all right, you meatball. Uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks, Hordy. Okay, boys. Hey, great job. Hey, guys. Thanks again for listening. Just remind you to subscribe to your favorite 
podcast found on kessinjuice.com. And, uh, you know, why don't you come check us out at our Twitter accounts? Mine is Ryan at Ryan underscore Kessler. Juices is at KBXA3. And you can always find both of us at our, our Twitter account at Kessin Juice. And uh, you know what? We had a good time, didn't we, Juice? We did. Do it again next week. Same time? We keep, we keep getting better. Boom. See you.